Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. In today's episode, I interview parental alienation researcher, Dr. William Barnett. He talks to us about his research in measuring splitting and parental alienation with the Parental Alienation Acceptance and Rejection Questionnaire. Dr. William Burnett is a graduate of Holy Cross College, summa cum laude, and Harvard Medical School. He is a professor emeritus at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. He is board certified in general psychiatry, child psychiatry, and forensic psychiatry. As an expert in forensic psychiatry, Dr. Burnett has testified about 300 times in 24 different states. Dr. Burnett has written professional articles and book chapters on various subjects, including group and individual therapy with children and adolescents, humor and psychotherapy, forensic child psychiatry, child maltreatment, true and false allegations of abuse, satanic ritual abuse, reincarnation, child custody and visitation, parental alienation, testimony regarding behavioral genomics, and risk management. In 2007, Dr. Burnett and Judge Don R. Ash published Children of Divorce, a practical guide for parents, therapists, attorneys, and judges. Dr. Burnett edited Parental Alienation, DSM-5, and ICD-11, which was published in 2010. Dr. Burnett and his colleagues edited Parental Alienation, the Handbook for Mental Health and Legal Professionals, which was published in 2013. He was the founder and first president of Parental Alienation Study Group. With that, here's my interview with Dr. William Burnett. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I understand you recently uh, gave a presentation at the International Council for Shared Parenting. Uh, and tell us a little bit about that and uh, what it entails. Well, my talk um, a couple of weeks ago had the word counterintuitive in the title. And that's a word that comes up sometimes with regard to parental alienation because there are several, there are several features of parental alienation that, that don't make sense if you only think about the concept superficially. But if you really understand the concept, you understand what's going on. And uh, so I talked about a particular example of something that seems counterintuitive. And, and let me tell you what that was. That... As people know, as most listeners know, uh, children who are alienated from a parent or children who are experiencing parental alienation uh, dislike or they refuse to see or they, they have tremendous fear. They don't want to have a relationship with one of their parents who's the rejected parent. And what's, what's hard to understand is that these children who have never been abused by that parent have such strong animosity and their dislike, their hatred for that parent is even stronger than children who have been abused. That wow. almost all children who have experienced abuse, I mean, which is sad, but they still have what, what's called ambivalence toward the abusive parent. They still kind of want mm -hmm. to see that parent. They kind of want that parent like daddy. They want daddy to come home, even though they wish daddy would not be so mean, or they wish that daddy would not drink so much, or whatever the problem might be. So those are children who have actually been abused. On the other hand, alienated children who have never been abused have this extreme 
uh, reluctance to get involved again with their rejected parent. And so that's not what you would expect. I mean, it's hard to understand how a child who's never been abused would still have this extreme hostility while children who have been abused uh, still want to get back together again with that parent. So that's hard, hard to sink in for some people. Yeah, it's it's definitely not natural, right? It's it's something that uh, one parent uh, definitely for is it forced on the children, or are they just uh, is it just that they 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 grow up with it, and so um, but it's not natural. A child naturally has love for both parents, right? So to disrupt that, there has to be something in the way. Sure, there's some kind of external force, but it's usually a combination. Actually, what's interesting, it's a combination of an external force combined with the child's own uh, activities and, and the child's own um, kind of mental process. So it's the kids who are really, truly, uh, especially the more severely alienated children, it's a combination of being indoctrinated by one parent, by parent mm. A, to dislike or to be afraid of parent B. But it's a combination of the indoctrination plus a change that happens in the child's mind and the child contributes to this uh, avoidance and the child comes up with his or her own reasons to not want to see that parent again. And those reasons typically don't make very much sense. Uh, right. So it's, it's and, really a combination of uh, brainwashing by, by one parent and the child's mm -hmm. own uh, mental processes. And how hard is it to, to identify this, uh, you know, when a parent is, is alienating a child? Um, is there some way to measure it? Is it, is it I mean, I, I think um, for a lot of, you know, examples that I can think of, I think uh, it's not really natural, so people tend not to believe it. Um, you know, how do you identify it? How do you measure it? Well, what we have adopted in the last few years is what, what we call the five-factor model for mm -hmm. the diagnosis of parental alienation. And I'll run through those real quick because I think it's important for people to know about. This has been written about in a book and in a published articles. And But real quickly, the five factors are, first of all, the child says, I don't want to go see parent B. That mm -hmm. The child expresses contact refusal. The second factor is that that's not the way it always was, that in the past, the child had a good relationship with that parent. And so this is a change. The third factor is it's it's not the child's contact refusal is not because of something the parent has done. In other words, it's not because parent B <clears throat> has been abusive and neglectful. It's, right. it's for some irrational reason. It's not for a, a reason that makes sense. Factor mm -hmm. four is the presence of alienating behaviors. In other words, I mentioned earlier the brainwashing or the indoctrination. So in mm -hmm. order to show parental alienation has occurred, you have to be able to identify where it's coming from and you have to be able to actually identify specific acts or, or things that that parent has done to cause that to happen. Hmm. And then, and so, uh, oh, and then just gonna, let me give you one more. Factor five are the symptoms in the child. That there, there are eight common symptoms that occur in children who have been uh, alienated. And so we have to look for those symptoms. So is this uh, scale, is it primarily used in evaluations? Is it, do the courts, uh, you know, do they, do they use it uh, when they're trying to decide custody? Um, you know, where is the scale used? And, and the other question I wanted to ask is, um, it, it's, I think these things exist on a scale, right? Um, but 
where do you sort of decide that, you know, you're tipping the scale and that a parent is alienating? Well, these five factors are mainly intended for people who are conducting evaluations. In other words, uh, custody evaluators or, or just everyday clinicians who are, who are working with children whose parents are divorced. But mm-hmm. uh, it's also used in court. In other words, I, I've testified using these five factors and the judge adopted the five factors. And then when the judge gave her opinion, she actually spelled out the five factors and that, oh, that wow. I had given. And then she filled in how each one of those factors had been fulfilled in this case. But it is slightly more complicated because um, it, there, there is a gradation. And, and basically, like almost every medical condition, it can be mild, moderate, or, or severe. That the, mm-hmm. the degree of effect on the child can be mild, moderate, and severe. And the degree of alienating behaviors on the part of the alienating parent can be mild, moderate, and severe. And, and they don't have to be coordinated. For instance, you can have a situation where the alienated parent has engaged in really extensive, repetitive, persistent uh, behaviors but that, and that are severe, but the child has not become alienated or, or perhaps is only mildly alienated from the rejected parent. So uh, when we do these evaluations, we have to identify how severe is the alienation in the child and then how severe are the alienating behaviors in the preferred parent. Well, that's interesting. So kids can have different varying degrees of resilience to this, it sounds like. Sure. And it it might depend on a lot of things. It might depend on the the original relationship between the child and the parent who's now rejected. You know, Mm. if they happen to have had a really good relationship, then the child is going to resist the, uh, the brainwashing that happens. Well, that makes sense. And, um, so what about the parent who's doing the alienation? Is there, uh, is there hope for reform or is, is it, uh, you know, what do you do when, once you've identified that, that a parent's, you know, alienating a child, um, sort of what happens from there? Is there, is there a chance that that will stop? Um, or do the, you know, do the evaluations, uh, take that into account at all? Well, um, as to whether or not the alienating parent can change what he or she is doing also kind of depends on that mild, moderate, and severe uh, classification. Mm-hmm. Because mild parents, really, are, it's almost accidental. They're, they're not trying to destroy the child's relationship with the other parent. And, and if you point it out to them, if you say, hey, watch out what you're doing, don't do this anymore, they usually catch on very quickly and they stop. They're able to stop themselves. Mm-hmm. And moderate, they're doing it on purpose, but it's not incessant. In severe cases, the parent is doing it on purpose. And some people use the word obsessed. The parent is Mm -hmm. obsessed with the desire to destroy the child's relationship with the other parent. And so those parents are very difficult to treat. Um, You can try, you, you can help them, you can help them see that it's damaging the child. But ultimately, the court has to get involved in really severe cases because Mm -hmm. we consider really severe cases to be child abuse. In other words, a a parent who's engaging in a really severe level of alienating behaviors and the child is severely alienated from the other parent, we consider that the child has been a victim of of child psychological abuse. And what what do you do when children are abused? Well, you remove the child from that home. I mean, that's what happens. If sure. it's physical abuse or sexual abuse or 
severe neglect, that the child has to be protected from that uh, encounter with that parent. And so that's what the courts need to do. They need to remove the children from that, that abusive home. And then, of course, you know, then there has to be some discussion of what's going to happen next and where should the child right. go or where should the child live. But that's usually mm -hmm. the first step. And um, and this, this scale is designed to be used by professionals, correct? Oh, you mean, yes. Well, the five factors and the model monitors of here. Yeah, I think you have to be familiar with the concept. You, 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 mm -hmm. it's not, uh, you, you have to usually be a clinician to really understand how to interview children, how to interview the, the parents. Uh, I, I think the concept can be taught to judges and that they can apply these factors. But usually, I think they need a little bit of guidance as to how to interpret the five factors in a particular case. So before uh, before the scale, were there any precursors to it, or or was this uh, did it come about because there was sort of a lack of ability to uh, you know objectively evaluate in these areas, or uh, sort of what yeah. what led up to uh, coming up with the scale? Oh well, that's a really good question because it, it's not as though my colleagues and I just invented these five factors. The, the five things have, have been around since the 1980s, since parental mm -hmm. alienation was initially described in 1985 in an important article that was published then, uh, that all five of these things have been, have been present. But what we did, uh, we pulled them all together. In other words, we, we wanted to make it more systematic and so that different clinicians are all doing the same thing. And so we actually just pulled together the, the things that we already have known for years and we made it into one uh, kind of coherent method for doing this, this type of evaluation. Okay. And so actually um, the, so research, the, the, the research on, on these goes back for years. In other words, factor four, which is the alienating behaviors and factor five, which are the symptoms in the child. I mean, there have been studies that go, go back 15 or 20 years, but these various studies were somewhat dis disconnected. And so we pulled them together into one uh, system that we call the five-factor model. Excellent. And um, so what's sort of next? Is there continuing research into this or, uh, you know, what, what's sort of uh, the next for you and your research and, and these sorts of things? Well, some of these factors can be measured. And that, I think that's something that is the next step. And, and I've done some research on, on a particular little piece. In other words, mm -hmm. factor five is the symptoms in the child. And one of those eight factors is, is what we call lack of ambivalence, meaning that the child uh, no longer has mixed feelings about mom or dad, that they have splitting, mm -hmm. that they say that one parent is totally good and the other parent is totally bad. And, and that's a common, that's a well-known psychological phenomenon called splitting. And mm -hmm. I, I thought, I thought that of all the different things of these eight factors in the child, I thought that would be the easiest one to measure. Some of the other ones are a little bit fuzzy and maybe they're mm -hmm. a little bit subjective. But splitting is a well-known psychological phenomenon. And I thought it would be easy to measure. So we, we did that. We, 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 uh, we teamed up with some other people. And we identified uh, 50, I think there was 50 some children who were severely alienated. And we compared them with other children in normal families or children in divorced families 
children who have been neglected and no longer have a parent, or they only have one parent, and we compare them with the alienated children using a, a fairly simple test, which is called the PARQ, the Parental Acceptance Rejection Questionnaire. That's been around mm -hmm. for many, many years also, but it's never been used in this exact context. And so we use that PARQ with the alienated children who are severely alienated, and then these other groups, the control groups of children from regular families. And the results were very, very dramatic, that in almost every case, the, the alienated children had a very, very high score, the difference between the mom and the dad, there are two different scores for each child, was, was enormous, and the alienated children, in other words, one parent was perceived as very, very positive, and the other parent very, very negative. And so the difference was very, very high. And that was not seen in all these other groups. And in fact, the statistics were that our, this test was 99% correct in distinguishing wow. alienated children from non-alienated children. That's a very, very high uh, kind of success rate for a psychological test. I don't know any, I don't know any psychological tests. That's 99% uh, correct in, mm -hmm. in making these distinctions. So uh, I, th I thought that was a good start. Some other people have repeated it in, in certain ways. And so I think it's being accepted by some people who are actually using it in evaluations. But it, it needs to be repeated. And there are some people in Texas who are, who are doing the same test with mildly alienated children and moderately alienated children. And the, the, the okay. ones that we have were severely alienated. And so what we're going to see, I think, I'll give you a little prediction, but I think what we'll see, the results of this test will gradually increase. In other words, mm -hmm. mildly probably will be almost normal, moderate will be in between, severe will be kind of what we, what we got. And so I, I think that that kind of, uh, of, of new testing, new research will help to validate uh, this concept. Yeah, that's really encouraging because so much of, of this stuff with parental alienation is, is opinion-based at this point, I think. Um, yeah. So to be able to have an actual test to measure it, uh, to me, is very encouraging because it allows you to sort of draw a line in the sand and and have some sort of, uh, you know, dialogue around it, whether it's in a court case or custody yeah. case, that kind of thing. Um, Chris, if anybody wants a copy of, the, of this, of either one of these, in other words, of, of the five-factor model, we have a paper that mm -hmm. spells that out. And then there's also this research on the PARC, the test. If anybody wants a copy of the actual uh, papers, they can just send me an email and, okay. uh, and I'll get that off to them. Well, we'll certainly make that information available, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of folks that are going to be interested in it. And, uh, it, you know, if you were, um, you know, custody evaluator or, um, you know, child psychologist or, you know, working with custody evaluations, um, you know, how long would you say, how much, how much time would somebody need to invest to sort of get up to speed on this model and, and being able to start using it practically? Is this something that you can do in a week, or does it take a couple months of, of reading and yeah, understanding? If you're somewhat familiar, in other words, you know, to read the article on the five-factor model and the article on the research, I mean, that, that you know, that would take three or four hours. That's not going to take right. forever. 
but a person would have to be, you know, familiar kind of with the general literature and with how these things mm -hmm. work. They'd have to be familiar with how to do a custody evaluation, which I hope they already are, if that's what they're doing. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, there, there's a lot of, of things to be aware of. A simple thing to be aware of is this, is that we've been talking about contact refusal. In other words, the child doesn't want to go see one of the parents. Well, parental alienation is only one reason for contact refusal. Contact mm. refusal is a generic behavior. Child says, I don't want to go see mom or I don't want to go see dad. But there are a number of different causes for that. And anybody who does a custody evaluation would have to take all those different possibilities into consideration. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's, it's more than just uh, parental alienation, right? It could be that they, you know, don't have good, uh, you know, the environment over there, there could be conflicts with, you know, stepkids, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's uh it's certainly a complex situation. Uh, but being able to, to sort of put some numbers around it, I think really, really helps, uh, you know, keep the emotions out of it, if you will. Yeah, you have to look for data, you have to look for the symptoms in the child, and you also have to identify the behaviors in the alienating parent, you can't just assume mm -hmm that he or she is causing this to happen in the child. You have, you have to actually find these behaviors and identify them. Well, uh, is there anything else you, you thought about uh, that you'd like to share with us? I, I think that the, uh, you know, the ICST, the International Council on Shared Parenting, is a great organization that really focuses on this, on, on shared parenting. And I, I know the National Parents Organization is really concerned about these issues. Uh, the organization that I'm involved with is, is uh, the Parental Alienation Study Group, PASG, and all these organizations have slightly different, I think they all overlap to some extent, but they have slightly different things that they're invested in, and people uh, should look into them, and, and uh, I mean, it's possible to join all three of them, to tell the truth, if, sure. if the person wants to get involved in these issues. So um, tell me a little bit about that, the Parental Alienation Study Group. Is it sponsored by somebody? Is it, uh, how big is it? Do you guys, uh, do you meet, you know, once a well, week, once a, a month? Is it? It's an independent, you know, it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, it's an independent organization. And uh, my friends and I started it maybe seven or eight years ago. And we now have hundreds of members. We have about 750 members from men, wow. from, from 60 Six oh sixty countries on every continent, wow. which is interesting. It's amazing. And we're really just concerned about parental alienation. It's really interesting that people in all these different places have had similar experiences. So a lot yeah. of the members are uh, mental health people, but not all. Uh, many of them mm -hmm. are parents or grandparents who are interested in this topic. And you know, we put out a newsletter. We uh, we we have meetings. We have we've had conferences in uh, in the United States and in Sweden, and we hope if COVID allows us to, we're going to have a conference next year in uh, Belgium, and oh wow, and, and maybe the year after that in Australia. So um, the, the main it mainly helps people stay in touch. In other words, people who are right. interested in parental alienation have a lot of different. Uh, eggs in the basket, you know, they have different things they're interested in. And so the organization really helps people learn from each other and stay in touch with each other. 
Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think there's there's quite a bit more research going on now than there was, say, 20, 30 years ago uh, in that area. Oh, yeah. Is that is that what you're seeing? Yes. Uh, some of it, most of it is really just descriptive. I mean, when, when I say 60 countries, there are people in all over the world who have described uh, alienated families. And that's, mm -hmm. that's can be called qualitative research because it's descriptive. But more and more, there's, there's quantitative research that involves numbers and statistics. And, you know, like that research I told you about with the 99% success. I mean, that's, that's an example right. of quantitative research. And there's more and more of that. And that's, I think, where we're headed in the future. Yeah, and it's always sort of amazed me how, um, you know, these issues around, um, you know, splitting of families, whether it's parental alienation or, or some of the other uh, big issues, they really seem to transcend uh, cultures and, <laughs> and countries um, all over the world. I mean, it's not just, you know, um, one country or, or one culture. It seems like there is some version of this, uh, you know, all over. And and it's uh, it really amazes me how sort of cultural norms don't sort of stop some of this. It's it happens everywhere, and uh, and it's really a worldwide issue. Well, some version of it happens. Um, it, it's affected by what the rules of the society are. I mean, mm -hmm. if, suppose the society doesn't allow separation or divorce, then that's going to affect whether or not alienation happens. Some societies tend to favor dads. The, the dads get almost total control after the divorce and the mothers are left out. Other societies tend to favor the mothers. So the way it plays out is a little bit different depending on, I guess, what the rules of the of, the, of sure. that locality are. But in one way or another, it seems to be everywhere. I mean, we have members from, uh, from China, from Australia, from tiny places like Malta, you know, the island of Malta is a, is a little island in the yeah. Mediterranean, and they have a whole uh, effort there. In fact, I, recently I, I saw something uh, from Gibraltar. You know, <laughs> Gibraltar is just a little tiny piece of Spain that's sticking out there at the Straits of Gibraltar, and they have their right. own government, and they have a whole thing going about what to do about wow. their life. So it's, it's in big countries and little tiny places and uh, in one way or another. Well, that's fantastic. And, uh, and how can people get a hold of you? You've got your email. Uh, is there social media that you're on? or uh, If they're interested in the organization, you can just Google Parental Alienation Study Group. Okay. And it'll pop up. If you want to send me an email to get those papers, it's my name. It's William dot burnett b-e-r-n-e-t you have to spell it right william dot b-e-r-n-e-t at the u-m-c dot org the u-m-c is vanderbilt university medical center dot org o-r-g so touch uh, touch base with me and if you want one of those handouts or print articles i'll be happy to send it to you well, that's fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge with us today. Okay, Chris, nice to see you. Now that was recorded on video. So if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. 
Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, that sorts of thing. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. <laughs>